Sunday, as part of the introduction to this series, I've entitled Garments of Grace, uh, a study about fruitfulness, uh, a study uh, about uh, uh, being fruitful and having a fruitful life in this barren world of sin that we're living in, uh, a study of the fruit of the Spirit, not just in the knowing, uh, but rather in the doing, in the living it out day by day uh, as we walk uh, in our uh, oh, I'll use this word, pilgrimage, in this uh, uh, world that we live in. This is not our expected end. We have a place, a definitive place, where we will spend uh, time forever uh, with the Lord. But in the meantime, we're here for a purpose. Uh, God is uh, allowing us to exist, uh, not just to take it easy, of course, but to uh, be a blessing, to be a witness for Him, uh, to praise Him, and to talk about Him to those uh, who will give us a listen. And so, uh, but as we do, uh, we would like to not just know about this fruit uh, of the Holy Spirit, but rather to, rather to live it out. Thus far, we have learned that as serious followers of Jesus Christ, uh, we desire not only to be a nominal Christian, we desire not to be just uh, somebody that is a pew warmer, so to speak. We wanted to live a spirit-filled life. We want to live a, uh, a life that is uh, fruitful, uh, one that exhibits love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, uh, patience, uh, 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 kindness, goodness, and faith, uh, meaning faithfulness, and all the things that you have uh, heard in Sunday school, and, and many preachers have told you about this for many, many moons ago. But beloved, as we go through the faith sometimes, those things that are familiar to us, we forget. We need to be reminded again. We need to be encouraged again. We need to be admonished again uh, of the things that we already know uh, because we are a forgetful people. And as difficult and even sometimes we think it is impossible because these virtues, these character traits are, are not easy. Uh, sometimes we feel impossible. Uh, we want to live a joyful and stress-free life, don't we not? A trouble-free, relationship-free uh, uh, hustles, if you like. A life without conflicts. And uh, we, uh, we want to make sure that we're not contending with the enemies within and without the church. And sometimes it's just so hard. It's not easy to uh, accomplish those uh, things. We understand, of course, that the challenges and the difficulties in putting on this, what we call garments of grace, this uh, fruit of the Spirit, as I call it, uh, we, when we ourselves, it's hard to put it on, when we ourselves are contending. We are contending with our own old nature. The natural man in us. Uh, and at times the carnal man in us. The fleshly man in us. But the encouragement, beloved, is that the fruit of the Spirit is not our work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, and uh, these virtues are not something that we can manufacture ourselves. Uh, these are, uh, are the work of God, and He alone, as we've learned, is the source of the fruit of the Spirit. We also understand that as we're being uh, given this, it is our responsibility to act and, and manifest uh, these things, these endowments to the glory of God, and indeed to be in favor with man. Saints and sinners alike. And so, so far, we have been considering the basic principles about godliness in general and how to live it. Firstly, in having the right motive, remember? That devotion to no other than God. Uh, as I said, we may have that sincere desire to, to please God, to, to glorify God. We may even refrain from doing things that are unbecoming, those things that are sinful, things that a Christian should not do. We may uh, refrain from that. But sadly, beloved, most of our motives are self-centered rather than God-centered. And secondly, we need to have the right power 
We've learned this uh, last Sunday again. And, and uh, if we are to have and demonstrate these garments of grace, this uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit in us, we must have the right power, the right source of power. And that can only come from no other than the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Thirdly, godliness and living godly, we must have the right response. The right response. It is true that the Lord develops godly character and godly virtues in us, uh, and He is the source of the fruit of the Spirit. We don't manufacture that ourselves, but listen, we, uh, it is given to us or endowed unto us, but uh, uh, to say that we have nothing to do unqualified with it is not a balanced interpretation of Scriptures. Uh, to love, to rejoice, and to live peaceably with others, beloved, those are our responsibility. So as Paul told the believers at Philippi, they, uh, we, are to follow after. That's the word. Follow after. Uh, that means press on, apprehend. Those are the words that the Apostle Paul has used. Uh, that means lay hold of them. Lay hold of them. And so tonight we're going to continue with these thoughts and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, just to start. Ephesians chapter 4, please. And we'll start uh, with, with this, and uh, after, uh, we'll go through some uh, other parts of uh, Scripture as well. Would you stand with me, please? Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning here in verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning here in verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, that means lifestyle, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful uh, lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse 24, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let's pray together, Father. Oh, Father, thank you for the time that uh, you have given me the privilege to once again declare your word to the folks there at the Oasis. As I left them, uh, again, I, I commit them to you, uh, Lord, for their faithfulness uh, in the ecclesia, that little gathering that we have, that they have there. What a, oh, what a joy to see uh, them working together uh, in unity uh, and to be hearing of their testimony. Some have been there for so long, and some have uh, been there fairly new, and the enthusiasm, and their love, and their respect for their pastor, and uh, Lord, uh, oh, I pray that you would continue to undertake for them there. Uh, but now, as uh, again, I'm behind uh, I, uh, this uh, uh, sacred pulpit to declare your word. Again, I ask for unction. Let you be seen. And Lord, again, as best as I know, I've studied, and now I ask that you would use uh, me as a conduit, a channel of your blessing. Help me to be an encouragement, a comfort, and a, a challenge if it's needed to your people tonight. And that in everything that we will say and do, that it will be pleasing, it will be bring honor and glory to your name. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And so, beloved, the fourth principle of godliness or having a godly character is the right balance. The right balance. That development of godly character in both putting off and putting on. Okay? Both important. That putting off and putting on. Now, as we just read from that verse, Paul admonished the believers at Ephesus to put off their former conversation, their former lifestyle, their former way of life, put off their old self, but he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Uh, he also said, be renewed, and then he said, put 
on the new man. Put on the new man. Oh, my dear ones, this is important in righteous living. That balance of putting off and putting on. Uh, That balance of taking something out and putting something in. Okay? Um, Many times... uh, uh, we as, as preachers, and, and, and me included, probably first uh, on this list, is that we're so good in telling people not to do this. We're so good in telling people, do not do that. Do, do not read that. Don't participate in that. And we're very good in saying that because we care, we love the flock, and we, 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 part of our job uh, is to, to warn. But Paul, in his uh, way of ministering is he tells them put off but he also tells them what to do what to put on and so this is a learning for us even not on a ministerial point of view but even as parents you tell your child don't do that don't play with that don't 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 tell them what they can do explain to them first why you're asking them not to do that and then put something I don't want you watching TV, okay? What can they do instead? I don't want you listening to that music, okay? What music can they hear? I don't want you reading that stuff, okay? What can they read? You see, the problem is we're very good in prohibitions. Uh, Even us, uh, uh, (laughs) please don't misunderstand me, as independent Baptists, we're so strong in our doctrine and our convictions, yes. Uh, We're so good in protesting. But what do we stand for? What do we actually believe? What do we want people to know about us? They know what we don't like. But what do we like? What do we recommend? Balance of putting off and putting on from old to the new is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Perhaps from being greedy to being generous, from being false or falsehood to truthfulness, uh, from uh, discouraging words to encouraging words, from bitterness, jealousy, and slander to kindness, sweetness, and bridling our tongue. The Lord Jesus himself is said to love righteousness and hate iniquity. Hebrews 1 verse 9. Paul said uh, the same thing in Romans chapter 12 verse 9. Abhor that which is evil, cleave unto that which is good. You see the balance? Taking something off and putting something on. And so, yes, we must mortify. That means we must put to death the flesh, the deeds of the body, if you like, Romans 8, 13. But that is just one part of it. We want to live godly lives. We must put off. We must also put on the garments of grace, of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience and the like. You see, many a Christian do not quite have that balance of putting off and putting on. We have the tendency to put off sinful traits. That's good. Okay, no argument with that. We have the tendency to put off sinful uh, traits, like I said, to, we tend to make a big deal of moral uprightness again. That is good. That is excellent. But as we do, we inadvertently become lacking in the gracious qualities of love, joy, and compassion. Many a church or churches, and we are not immune to this, we're good in reaching out to sinners. But we're not very good in relating to the saints already within the house of God. Come on. We take each other for granted most of the time. We assume things about ourselves. 
we say things unbecoming. We turn to murmur and complain about brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. Uh, but we're so good in reaching out for the laws. We say all the good things out there. Well, how about us in the church? Now, of course, I'm not saying for by and large our church. Oh, Calvary Baptist Church, praise God for you. But this is something that we need to watch out for. We need to find that balance. Now that said, there is also a real danger in overemphasizing love, kumbaya, compassion, while neglecting to deal with, listen, constant and willful sin. We have to deal with that. If a brother or sister is erring, we need to deal with that. That's not because we hate them or anything, but we need to get them straightened out. There is a certain behavior in the church, Paul said to Timothy, and we ought to behave properly in the house of worship, uh, which is the church, the pillar and ground of truth. And, and Paul didn't mince his words during his time. Whenever there is error, he, 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 uh, he, he confronts it. Okay? And so we must. We cannot just overemphasize love and compassion and forget that we also need to balance that with the discipline that needs to happen. Balance, right balance is a principle of godliness and godly living. Next is the right growth. The right growth. Meaning we are to pursue growth in all the graces that are not included even in Galatians chapter 5 list. There's about six there or eight, okay? Um, the, the fruit of the Spirit, of course. But what I mean by this is that desire to grow in all the areas of our Christian character. Some of us find it easy to exercise temperance, self-control, and kratia. Uh, self-control, like I said. But you see, the fruit of the Spirit is not just about Temperance. Some people are naturally temperate. They're likable. They're easygoing. Uh, you can feel that you can relate to them. And so we lift that person and say, oh, wow, what a wonderful experience in this man. And he genuinely is a manifestation of the exercise of the fruit of the Spirit. But that temperate man that we lift up beyond pedestal is lacking on other things. Can you see? Okay. I said to grow in godliness, we are to grow not just on temperance, but in every area of our Christian character. We may find it easy to be joyful and rejoicing. It's easy for us. Uh, uh, but we find it difficult to be responsible and be diligent. On the other hand, we might find it easy to be task-orientated. The do, do, do. Okay? We're so focused and even faithful to the job, but find it difficult to find joy in what we're doing. We, we, we just cannot see the joy in the midst of the task. We're so focused on the task. And we forget the joy in doing the task. God forbid, as many a person would say, though, well, that's just the way I am, deal with it. Mm. And some would even just, this is how God made me. Really? Mm. Be careful. And so can I just remind us all of Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not just meat and drink. The idea here is that the Christian life is not just about prohibitions or even worse, personal preferences. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Beloved, joy is as important as any other virtue. 
Joy is as important as every other character trait of godliness. Again, that balance, just because you love to laugh, and just because you make light of things, now, appropriately, okay, uh, does not mean you're being ungodly. Man, there are some churches today, you feel like you're in a straitjacket. You can't even laugh. Because it is seen as frivolous. You know? Now, I can't deliver jokes. My, my girl keeps on reminding me about that. So I rarely venture in giving go- jokes, Phil, because I can't land it. But I said, oh, people laugh. Dad, they're laughing at you, not the joke. And so I refrain from joking about it. But I, I, I listen to a lot of sermons, as you would appreciate. And man, it's a skill team that they can actually utter a word, and it can just make you laugh. Did he? Okay. I'm sure whatever he said is uh, Bible. Okay. But joy is as important. Um, You know, again, beloved, it's okay to joke. In good order, of course. The Christian life is not about being just a straight jacket. Okay. It's not just being intense and stiff. If we are to grow and wear these Garments of grace, we are to grow in them. Speaking of growth, the next principle of godliness or developing our godly character is having the right growth. And by virtue of the word growth, it means growing progressively. By that, I mean it never is finished. At least, not in this life. Did not Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14? Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Jesus, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth and those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Again, he wrote this while in prison. Towards the end of his earthly life. And yet... His desire still was to grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus and in the likeness of Christ. My dear ones, even in those character traits or virtues which we believe we have already grown and we should know those things, If you've been in the faith for some time, uh, you would have noticed how much you have grown from when you started as a baby Christian. That should be a normal progression in, in, in the life of a Christian. But even in those, we are to remember that there is always room for improvement. There's always a need for further growth. Remember when we were in, in Thessalonica, uh, with Thessalonians, I should say, uh, Paul said to, to them to increase, remember? To grow more and more. What was he talking about? He was talking about love. Because the, by their observation and their experience when they were there only for a short time, just as I saw the, the folks there in Oasis today, there is that love. You can feel it in them. And so Paul was saying, increase more and more. That's what I'm talking about. Progressive growth. Growth in godly character is not only progressive, but also perpetual, persistent, perennial. Uh, Until we go to be with the Lord and are transformed from being corruptible, into incorruptible. Until then, we keep on growing. Um, 
Saturday morning, a group of us pray. And uh, without naming names, uh, one of the testimonies that was shared is uh, before I used to struggle with this person. And uh, uh, this time, uh, I think uh, I'm, uh, I'm ready to uh, take this person back into our lives. Uh, whereas before, I was really, ooh. But now I feel that I even want this person to come back in our lives. I feel that this time around, I could show more grace. This time around, I could show more love. And beloved, that's what I'm talking about. Growing in grace and in love. And it's, if you know the background, and I don't have time, nor should I divulge um, confidentiality. I, I left that little prayer group that Saturday really, really encouraged because there is growth in the life of a person. Progressive growth. And so if we're not growing in godly character, we are actually regressing. For we are standing still. Paul admonished Timothy to train himself, watch that word, to be godly. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Turn there, please. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, here in verse 7. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 4, here in verse 7. Paul says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and, this is the word, exercise thyself rather unto Godliness. The word exercise in exercise thyself here unto godliness is gumnatso, meaning to train. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Timothy, Titus, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, here in verse 14. <clears throat> of course, we uh, are familiar with the immediate context here, but bear with me. But strong myth belongeth to them that are full of. Uh, or a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, gumnatso, to discern both good and evil. Now, chapter 12 of Hebrews still, this time in verse 11, so just two or three pages. Hebrews chapter 12, here in verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Same word. Okay. But now let's look at Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Here in verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. And then, of course, he went, goes on in verse 15 onwards. Now, three of the four usages of the word exercise here is in the positive. But notice... Uh, positive in the sense that it is God-honoring. But in, in the last verse that we just read here in Second Peter, Peter used the word exercise in the negative. Okay? Uh, he said they have exercised, they have trained themselves with covetous practices. Now that certainly is in the negative. And so what is the point here? The point, beloved, is you and I can exercise, can train ourselves in the wrong direction. Hmm. This is what is Peter referred to these false teachers had become. They practiced greed and trained themselves to be greedy and hence have greedy hearts. Are they not unbelievers? Uh, 
And so, yes, there is growing, but the question is, in which direction are we growing? Okay. Are we growing progressively toward godly character or ungodly character? Are we growing in selflessness or selfishness? Patience or impatience? Again, greed or generosity? Honesty or dishonesty? Purity or impurity? Every day, beloved, we are exercising. We are training ourselves in one direction. The thoughts we think, the words we say, the actions we take, and the deeds we do. My dear ones, the relationship between conduct and character is a very intimate one. Okay? Our repeated actions over time, our conduct becomes our character. What we do, we become. And what we are, we do. Sometimes this is clearly seen in how we say things. Because what does the Bible say? Whatever is in the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if our words are cutting, if our words are demeaning, if our words are judgmental, if our words are just unbecoming, you could, on the authority of God's word, say that's been brewing in the heart of that man. Because as a believer, what does it say? All things have become new. We are a new creation, but then again I say, how are we growing? Are we growing in the right direction? Or not? That is what Peter wrote here. Now turn to Romans chapter 6, please. And we're nearly done, just bear with me. Romans chapter 6, <coughs> verse uh, 19. Romans chapter 6. Here in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, he's talking to the Roman believers here, as ye yield your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And then, of course, we're familiar with verse 23. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the point is this. We make professions of our faith. We say we are now a new person in Christ, and we are. We say that we believe in Jesus Christ, and we have been given a new life. All things are passed away, have become new. That's all true. Nothing is wrong in all of that declaration. But beloved, I'd like to encourage us all to make sure that we yield our members, our body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I was speaking about this uh, at the, the folks there in Oasis. We don't have a temple as such anymore like the Jews did, although they're wanting to rebuild this temple now. What we have is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you. And so we are to yield the members of our body unto righteousness. In closing, let me remind us all of how the Lord demonstrated His character through His conduct. And one area that is visibly um, clear is His conduct of servanthood. Turn to John chapter 13, and this is our last point. 
John chapter 13, a very familiar passage to us. This is in the context of the Passover. It's his last night with his disciples. Uh, they were having a meal. Everyone is sort of talking about who wants to be the greatest in the kingdom. And here is the Lord Jesus uh, here in uh, chapter 13. Uh, well, let's... Um, Look, let's read, read, read the, the passage as such. Uh, now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, um, the um, understanding here is not ended as in their all sort of finished, it's on the way. Uh, it's happening. Uh, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but that thou shalt, not know, thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, saying, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Oh, well, it's so Peter, isn't it? Jesus saith unto him, He that he washeth needed not to say, wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments and was set down again, can you see, went back to supper, he said unto them, Know ye that I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happier ye. Notice, if ye do them. Hmm. Now we understand the immediate context here, of course. This passage... But for my purposes tonight, I'd like us to just consider the Lord Jesus Christ here. What he did in reference to what we're learning about godliness and conduct becoming our character. Now remember, like I said, we become who we are because of our conduct. What we do, we become. What we are, we do. Now, just focus on the Lord with me here in verse 4 that we just read. He riseth from supper. He stopped eating. He laid aside his garments, just like me taking off my coat, rolling my sleeves. Uh, he took a towel. He girded himself. That's what they do in the old tunic and uh, all of that. He poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet. And he wiped them with the towel with he was girded. Let us all understand that this was not merely a show of servanthood. This was sincere servanthood from the Savior. Now if Jesus or any one of us for that matter uh, uh, wanted to just display the image of a servant, he the Lord, we, we just ask someone to do all the prep work. You don't go in basin, fill it up with water, give me a towel, and when you're done, bring it to me, and I'll do the rest. Is that what he did? No. He did it all by himself. Mm. 
the Lord did what he did. He conducted himself as so because that is his character. Can you see the difference? Imagine with me as Jesus went around washing the disciples' feet. And then drying their uh, feet uh, after that. Now that is unthinkable. In the Jewish tradition and the culture of the day, the rabbi, the master whom he is known for, that just doesn't happen. It's unthinkable. Okay? It's not supposed to happen. According to the law and the traditions, a teacher, a rabbi, who Jesus was considered to be, he would not wash his disciples' feet, but he did. He went against the norm. Now what was customary and what was expected was that the lowest servant of the house would wash the, the feet of the guests. Uh, if you've been into Kevin's class, you would learn this, manners and customs. This is what you do in the Orientals uh, in Bible times. Okay, the lowest person in the house would wash the feet of the guests as they come into the house. For some reason, it didn't happen. They actually ate with their dirty feet. Now, if you understand how meals are served in Bible times, they don't have tables like these. They don't have seats like what we do now. Uh, you remember, Fiona, when you were in Israel, okay, in the house of the Bedouins. They live in tents, and they have little cushions and pillows that they sort of lean on, and they're lying on the side, and then there is a low table where they graze and eat. So the feet is actually exposed. Now, the manifestation of this, when Mary was able to wash the Lord Jesus' feet and wipe it with her own hair because she can. The Lord wasn't sitting down on the last supper that you see now being sold in the shops. So the point here is that uh, Jesus, knowing uh, what the disciples' uh, actions were at that time, uh, many of them would have gladly was Jesus' feet, I would think. Uh, none of these disciples were interested in washing any other's feet. They would probably, in fairness, would wash Jesus' feet because he is their rabbi, he is their master. But to then wash another man's feet, that's a different story. Because to do that is an admission of inferiority. I'm not doing that, Tim. I'm sorry. You've got smelly feet. Thank you very much. That's the attitude. And my, me doing that to you, I'm admitting that I'm lower than you. Now who wants to be like that? And the context here is that they were all jockeying for position as to who is going to be great in the kingdom. That's why whenever we have our Lord's table, our communion, I say it, they had no clue. They were all jostling as to who is going to be the greatest when if they only knew that that was the last night that the Lord Jesus was going to be with them, perhaps the attitude would be different. Where are you going with this, Pastor? Lord Jesus did not just speak about servanthood. He showed it. This is my last opportunity to address you in this way. Next Sunday, uh, Sam Harris is speaking. We have a business meeting, and therefore we have no more evening service. And then we'll have Brother Chris all day Sunday, the 28th. Um, so this is my last opportunity before I go and leave. I don't mean anything here. But next Sunday, we're going to elect our deacons and our stewards. 
We need men and women who this doesn't show or appear to be servants. We need men and women that will get their hands dirty and do the service to the church. All of us in this place are servants, first of all, to our Savior Christ. And we are servants to each other. Pastor, do not speak about servanthood. Show servanthood. Deacon, don't just speak good words. Show servanthood. Stewards, don't just be in it because your name needs to be in it. Show servant. We've been going for 50 years, beloved. And we're on our 51st year. And if you want to be continuously used by the Lord, let us follow his example of servanthood. We need men and women that will serve, that will show real service to the Lord. And I'm confident that if we mean it, if we want to be in it because we're genuinely wanting to serve, God's going to bless us. God's going to get pleased with us. And God is going to continue to use us to be servants for him. And so acknowledge and understand that in order for us to live godly lives, we have to have the right motive in our service. Our motivation is not to be seen. Our motivation and devotion is to God. We must understand that the right source of this spiritual fruit is the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we might manufacture ourselves. And even if we try and do it, it will be failing. We must understand that we must have the right response. As we get given, as we get endowed with this fruit of the Spirit in our lives, as Galatians 5 lists for us, the response is that we would manifest it, that we would show it, that we would live it out. Not enough just to know. Okay, you teach it. We teach it by doing. Uh, we must understand that we must have the right uh, uh, balance of putting off and putting on the old man and the new. To have the right growth, progressive growth in every area of our Christian life and character. And that growth may be progressive. It's never ending until God calls us in glory. And then, of course, we must understand that none of us have arrived and our growth is indeed ongoing. Now, let me just finish up with this. I look at myself in the mirror every day, beloved, and I can see all the imperfections that I have. I understand that all the things that I've said in these last uh, two times of this introduction no doubt our standard and our practice of godliness is not where it needs to be. And again, uh, I as your pastor would be the first one into that list. We're far from perfect. We don't even really, in the strictest sense of the word, word uh, fit or comply with the very biblical standard of this. But as I said last Sunday, on our first worship day of this year. The Lord already knows that. He knows what we're made of. Nothing but dust. He knoweth our frame, the Bible says. He knows that we're prone to failing and stumbling and struggling. To be encouraged, beloved, and this is my 
I guess this is how I will encourage myself in the Lord in this year and the days coming. That my steps, your steps, our steps as a collective body of believers here called Calvary Baptist Church are all ordered by the Lord. And He, in those times that we will fall, in those times that we will stumble, in those times that we will struggle, on our way to godliness, not foolishness again, okay? On our way to holiness, He will delight in that. We will fall, no doubt. We will stumble. But we will never be in a position of being completely and utterly cast down as we have learned. Because he upholdeth us with his hands. It's an exciting year. And I'll miss you for a good number of weeks. And I'll be praying for us that as we go on through the year, we will really get it in our steely soul and that resolve to be like Christ in every area of our Christian life. Garments of grace, may we be more like the Master this year. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Indeed, Father, thank you for the richness of your word. And every time we look at it, we uh, understand how far we are from you, we are encouraged, of course, to follow your example. And yet, even in that encouragement and admonition, we fall short. But you see, you already know that, Lord. And yet, you are willing to work in the likes of us. You're willing to use us the base things of this world, the foolish things of this world. And I hope we don't get offended by being fools for Christ. For we would rather be fools for Christ than be smart in the ways of the world. And so, Father, I pray that indeed as your people, we would not just know the fruit of the Spirit, but to live it out in our day-to-day -day existence and be pleasing before you and indeed in favor of men, both the saint and the sinner alike. Thank you for this time. And we ask it all in your son's name, Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls. Amen.